G'day guys, welcome to the inaugural episode of Beers and Breakeven, our new Supercoach show brought to you by the very best beer in the country, the beer of sport, and now the official beer of Supercoach. Very exciting times, joined by my co-host, I was going to say 5'8", but he's more so my halfback to be honest with you, Tim Williams from the Supercoach Playbook, welcome mate. Guru, good to be long, mate. I'm more of a, I see myself a bit of a Moses M by jack of all trades, can play in most positions, not really good at any of them, but mate, I'll make it work. Tell you what, <laughs> you're my fucking halfback today, no doubt about <laughs> it. Mate, the Supercoach playbook, it's exploded over the last few years, you've been putting out supreme content for a long time. Before I get to yourself, tell me about the playbook, mate. Yeah, mate, so just a couple of years ago, spent a bit of time uh, working with News Corp and the Telegraph there, journalistic background, uh, had a ball there, learned some very valuable sort of information, got some good contacts. Decided to get SC Playbook going, just um, obviously a Supercoach-based website, podcast all around, rugby league Supercoach or NRL, uh, Supercoach Big Bash, that sort of thing, expanding to AFL this year. But the heart of it has always been NRL, and that's my sort of background in a lot of different ways. So I've uh, got a really good group of contributors there. Uh, so I've got the podcast going, which I've done, jumped on yours in the past before, um, daily content, that sort of stuff. So, mate, had an absolute ball with it, and, yeah, hopefully kicking on a little bit in the future. Now, I've got Tim on here because he's a really good bloke, <laughs> but the one thing I don't like about him is that he's too fucking humble for me. Where have you finished the last few years? Uh, pretty good track record there, mate. Uh, NRL second overall in 2020. I was, uh, I think it was about 410th last year, and yeah, top top one percent. I think in last six of the last seven seasons, so decent sort of track record. So we'll hopefully keep that going. Incredible, top one percent, six out of the last seven years. Unbelievable. Take us back to a couple of years ago when you finished second. Uh, there's a bit of a storyline to the last week. I'm sorry to. Uh, dig into some old wounds but I think it's a story worth hearing hit us with it yeah mate I'm not sure much time we've got but it was a, it was an eventful sort of year sort of it wasn't sort of up around the top you know 10 20 for a lot of the year just played the long term term sort of super coach game which has always been my strategy and I'm sure we'll get into further on down the track but uh, basically what happened was got myself into I think it was second or third position going into the final round of the season uh, squads were absolutely decimated at the time. I'd built a pretty deep squad, so they had a full team playing. You sort of look, uh, being super coach, that sort of world, it's all about your pod players, your point of difference players. So you're looking at who the blokes in the other teams don't have. The big one I had that I was sort of looking at on the Thursday night game of round 25 was Katoni Staggs. Uh, he was my big boy going into it, and I had a fair bit of confidence that I could hopefully take out the title. Staggs, I think it was seven minutes into the game on the Thursday night, did his ACL, the poor bugger, which may or may not have cost me uh, the 50k top prize, but, mate, at the same time, I uh, couldn't feel worse for him doing his ACL. So, you know, it was all right. And, and to finish second overall, not too filthy about it. Once again, though, from memory, Staggs started that game fast, didn't he? Yeah, he went off, mate. He, <laughs> he'd had about four tackle busts in two runs and offloads and just... He's like, when he stays fit and healthy and he's on the field, he's the ultimate supercoach package. And I think he may have even been coming back from an injury quite recently, hence why no one known him. So to have him there, I was going, how good's this? Licking my lips. And then uh, that just set the tone for the rest of the weekend. And as it went into the weekend, basically he went down and I said, I'm stuffed. You know, I'm getting messages, calls from all sorts of mates and family trying to follow my weekend. No idea about footy or supercoach themselves, but they were saying, you know, who do we follow? Who do we follow? Anyway, my next sort of pod picks that I had in my side that I needed to go off were I had Cody Walker and Cam Murray. That was the game that they put 60 on the Roosters. 
I was sitting at a bar with a few of my mates having a drink that night and we were just losing our mind because Cody went, Cody actually broke the Supercoach record in that game and I think it was only me and two or three others in that sort of top 15 that owned Cody Walker. Um, so I was sort of sitting there going, this could be it, I might have this. I didn't want to go to the early crow, thankfully I didn't officially, but uh, anyway, fell, ended up being about 15, 16 points short of the, the top spot, but mate, watching those bunnies tail up the roosters, it was, I'm not a bunnies fan personally, but I love... Cody and Cam Murray, two of my favourite footballers in the game. Uh, mate, I was on cloud nine and just I'll never forget that night. Now, as I said before, loved him as a bloke, but he shits me how humble he is, saying that Katoni <laughs> Staggs may or may not have cost him 50 grand. I will eat my hat if Katoni Staggs doesn't score 16 points in the next 70 minutes. Yeah, well, funnily enough, last year I got Katoni again at the back end of the season before he did it himself again. It might have been his ankle. I've just gone, oh, mate, I'm giving you a lot of chances, but <laughs> you're lucky I love you. Well, he's in my draft team this year, so stay well away, please, mate. Now, mate, Supercoach, it's only just around the corner. Trials, we're getting through them slowly. We've got one more week to go. A heap of names popping up, a heap of names we haven't heard of before. A couple of resurgent guys. Everyone's putting together their teams, pulling them apart. I'm sick of seeing them, to be perfectly honest with mm. you. They were all over the place. But, mate, heading into season 2022... There's a couple of guys that are overpriced, a couple of guys underpriced. You know, Tao Malolo, he's one that's become very popular. Is he going to bounce back? Are we, is, you know, the price he's at is a decent little grab. I think he's one that a lot of people are tossing up. Where do you sit on Tao Malolo this year? Tao Lolo, I'm, you know, provided he's fit, fully fit for round one, uh, I'm, I'm really keen on him. I just, I don't see how Tao Malolo isn't starting the season undervalued. Coming into the season, he I think he's priced on a 55-point average off the back of last year. There was a few games there where he was shifted to an edge, which is now pretty famous, that it just did not work out for him. I'll put my hand up to say I was pretty excited to see Townlow get a, a bit of a run on the edge, running into a few of these smaller halves in the NRL. But, mate, it didn't eventuate to anything. Supercoach-wise, his base stats, you know, those hard-earned running, tackling stats, they all just went down the hill. He wasn't busting tackles. Um, I just... Off the back of the last three seasons, averaging 70 to 78, that's what we know Tao is capable of. I think worst case scenario, he holds his value, punches out you know those 50 to mid 50s. I think he'll be far better provided he's fully fit, has that sort of explosive touch back to his game. I, I don't see how he regresses at all. So as a worst case scenario, I think he holds his value and we can move him on later in the, in the piece. He's a really interesting one, isn't he? I mean, you felt like last year he was playing 40 minutes a game. Then you go and look at the stats. <laughs> His minutes haven't changed over the last few years, despite the sort of common perception. If he is in the front row, what sort of minutes are you... I mean, we're also relying on Todd Payton to make a right call with him, which worries the living shit mm. out of me. If he is in the front row, which we saw a team name this afternoon with Cotter at 13, hopefully he stays there. I'm probably hoping more than most, because I've been on my knees for Cotter for the last <laughs> six months. But if he is in the front row, Tom Lolo, what sort of minutes are you anticipating there? Look... To be honest with you, mate, uh, Tom Lolo, the investment they've got in him as a player, again, that this is, uh, this is on the premise that he's fully fit and good to go to start the season. We both know that that middle forward, forward role in the NRL is, is the front rowers and the lock. It's the same thing, effectively. The front rower takes it off the kickoff, and that's about the only difference. They play in the middle of the field. Tom Lolo is too important to that team. Todd Payton, obviously, he's been given a bit of an assurance by the club. He's relatively new to the club. Um, but, you know, they had a poor season last year. I'm not convinced by them this year. They need Tom Lolo playing big minutes. Assuming he's fit, good to go, I think he'll be playing that minimum 60, uh, ideally that 65-minute mark, getting one sort of spell of 15 minutes. Uh, look, if he is a little bit underdone, if he's carrying a niggle, maybe he does play 50 minutes, but... 
these are things we sort of want to look out for in the pre-season, but at the moment we're not getting a lot of information about it all. Is it a risk you want to take going into round one? Uh, all that being said, going into round one, if he's named it in the front row, minutes-wise, I'm not overly concerned. North Queensland, they might be the hardest club to get anything out of, and now Tomalolo hasn't been named in either of their trials. It's, it's a bit of a nightmare. Let's move to, in my opinion, the best hooker in Supercoach, Harry Grant. Uh, few changes down there in Melbourne. Dale Finucane has left. So obviously, Brandon Smith, I'm assuming he will jump into Jersey 13. Is that your assumption as well? Yeah, I think so. And it's another big one and a big decision. They've said Finucane gone. It makes complete sense that Brandon Smith goes into lock there. I do understand this is no knock on Harry Grant at all because I think he's, yeah, as you said, probably the best hooker in the NRL or he is the best hooker in the NRL. Um, he's a bit of a smaller body. Do they opt to play Brandon Smith at hooker as per last year for that first 20 minutes, take the sting out of the game, and then bringing Harry Grant on to absolutely carve them to shreds? Look, Bellamy might opt to go that way. I don't know. Um, time will tell. But at the same time, Brandon Smith's leaving next year. Harry Grant is the future of the club. He's not the future. He's the current of the club, along with a few other blokes there. <coughs> I want to see him in an 80-minute role. We know defensively he can handle it. It's not an issue that he's probably a slightly, slightly smaller body than a few others, including sort of Brandon Smith. My gut feel says he starts at nine, Brandon Smith at 13, and he plays 80 minutes, which is just enormous to his supercoach credentials. We know last year, a lot of the time, coming off the bench, uh, Bellier could give him, it was about the first 25 minutes off at times. If you could ever give him an early spell at the end with blowout wins, which often was the case with Melbourne, you know, he might be playing 50, 55 minutes. So... It's just that assurance that if he's starting, he's definitely getting an increase in minutes. It's an interesting one because obviously Melbourne, they didn't win the comp last year, but they might be the best team to never win a premiership, winning 19 games in a row. Mm. You know, the old approach, don't try and fix what's not broken. But for me, I just think Harry Grant has to play 80 minutes there. And maybe that is being a little bit biased. I'm a huge Grant fan. Uh, and Supercoach-wise, I want him there. One of their teammates, Ryan Pappenhausen, now be careful here because I have just drafted him very <laughs> early in my career relationship life is relying on the shoulders and head of Ryan Pappenhausen. Where do we sit on Pappy this year, mate? Pappy, again, provided name round one. I expect him to, but there is doubt around him at the moment, which would have you in a bit of a panic, uh, being a top, top draft pick for you, of course. Mate, same thing. We saw last year, I think he was averaging off the top of my head, uh, after the first five, six rounds, about 117 points per game. That was uh, leading into that concussion against the Dragons, which was a real nasty one. He came back from that, just not quite the same player, not anything long-term to be concerned about, provided he keeps that head clear, but just lacked a bit of confidence early on. As it built towards the finals, uh, we saw him get more involved in games, get that confidence back, busting out big scores again, but he finished the season with a 79-point average in 60 minutes per game. So we know, barring injury, he's an 80-minute player, so immediately he's undervalued. At that price, for uh, starting the season, I think you have to have Pappenhausen in your team. I can't make an argument not to do it, provided he's named. The issue that I do have is that I'm definitely starting with Harry Grant, who misses round one. I think the halves ranks are a little bit uh, tough to navigate at the moment without getting too far into detail with it. We've got Cleary, who's in doubt for round one at that massive price tag. Uh, we've got Cody Walker, who mentioned before, a bit of a fanboy of him. Would love to have him in my team, but the Bunnies have one of the hardest draws in the comp to start the year. So I want to – gets me to my point eventually. I, I really want to start with Cam Munster as well, who's also missing round one. If we then get to round one and Pappenhausen isn't named either, that's way too much money to be sitting on your pine not going into that opening round. So who do you cut there? 
Uh, that's where there's a few decisions to make, and we may start looking at guys like Caelan Ponga mm. to a less degree, Tyrell Sloan. But ideally speaking, I want them three in my round one team. I think it's one of, and you'd know better than me, but I think it's one of the more interesting years to start Supercoach because you've got a couple of guys that are more expensive than any players we've ever seen before. Then you've got a couple of other key guys that are missing round one, round two. It looks tougher than ever right now, and I feel like when we get to the end of the season and someone's holding a 50K check, we'll look back and go, whatever they did, they nailed the first five weeks. It is, and particularly with we've seen what Peter Hollandis and the game have been willing to do in past seasons, and that's change rules mid-season to suit uh, the climate. Uh, we know the COVID climate. This year is going to be worse than ever. We saw, I mean, that went to the Raiders trial on the weekend. A certain number seven in that side pulled out with COVID about two hours before kickoff. Um, the year's going to be carnage. So that changes your entire Supercoach strategy going into the year. But then, then to try and plan around any rule changes that may or not be made. I mean, the way I, the way I see this season, the big thing I'm trying to grasp is how overvalued players are to start this year. Last year was an unprecedented NRL Supercoach season because of, among other things, the six again call which led to these blowout score lines, which led to Tom Trebojevic averaging 143 points. So no one had averaged 100 before in Supercoach. Last year, Tommy had that. Cleary was about 107 or so. Um, belted previous records. Is that going to continue this year? My gut says no. Uh, but at the same time, there hasn't really been many rule changes except for a slight tinkering to the six again. So based on what we know so far, I don't see why it will change. Um, does that make every player... Uh, Overvalued to start the season Mate, there's big decisions to be made Mate, I remember sitting here 12 months ago And getting ready for draft day And thinking Teddy with an average of 95 Has broken the game Mm. All of a sudden Turbo beats him by 50 points on average It is astronomical You also mentioned a certain Raiders halfback Sammy Williams obviously ruled out the other day I hear he is the best looking in his family True or false? Uh, mate, not a lot to beat uh, Worst bloke, possibly the best sort But uh, he's got to get past the old boy first So we'll see He's hanging in there Mate, <laughs> let's have a look One more guy from the Melbourne Storm He scored a try on the weekend Looked impressive There's been a lot of conversation about Xavier Coates Base stats have always been a worry for me um, Even if he was to score I think it was the 17 tries that Fox scored last year Maybe a little bit more Matty, can you deal how many tries Fox scored last year for us? Also guys, Matty is here from Bloke in a Bar podcast We're very lucky to have him Searched far and wide for the best producer I could find We ended up with Matty So we're happy to have him <laughs> um, If if Coates manages to score those 23, you got it, Matty? 23. Wow Okay, fair whack. If Coates gets to those levels with his base stats, I mean, I can still see him averaging 60, realistically. Mm. He's a really interesting prospect. Massively, mate. Coates, one of my first pick this season, and mm. I like that. I remember when I first actually looked into the, the ownership of players, and last time I checked, he was maybe 25 to 30% ownership, which I was sort of thinking a little bit higher than I anticipated him being, but also not too bad. That's 70% of coaches who mm. don't own Xavier Coates. We spoke briefly before about, you know, what happened last season and how high the ceilings of players were. Guys like Alex Johnston, Ruben Garrick, who'd never been super coach relevant, were all of a sudden averaging 75, 80 points per year. Now, they're guys that I think they nearly have to be starting overpriced to begin the year. Supercoach is all about finding value in your round one teams, building your bank, having the pick of the leader later on in the season. This year, I think we need to find the same sort of players 
perhaps in new roles like a Xavier Coates going from a team like Brisbane who have struggled to Melbourne who have been the you know the elite team of the NRL year and year past. Coates to me is a guy who I just can't see him not increasing his uh, his try tries this year. I think is he he's a big body under Craig Bellamy. I'm expecting his base to improve a little bit. And yes, while there is some sort of risk there in that, all right, his base isn't great. What if the tries don't come? I think the tries will come, as simple as that. Melbourne have a mixed draw to start the season, particularly their, their easier game. Sorry, Tigers fans, but in round one, they're missing key personnel, as we've mm. just spoken about. But, mate, I just think, I think Xavier Coates, you definitely don't have to start with him, uh, but I can see us cashing in him in 200, 250k profit come round sort of six or seven to a guy like Alex Johnston or Ruben Garrick who may have bottomed out a little bit as a result of their tough draws to start the year. Matty, how good is it to have someone else getting stuck into the Tigers just quietly? <laughs> I've got the week off. How good? Mate, you mentioned the high, you know, the high ceiling centre wings and different game, but I had my draft on the weekend, right? And Ruben Garrick, Brian Toe, they went after guys like Angus Crichton. I, like, I, it blew me away. I could not believe mm. it. I think that a lot of people, they need to shift their, their, their approach and their thinking with these centre wings or they're going to be left behind very quickly. The game's changed. As we said, in previous years, no more so than last year. But for, for seasoned supercoach players, we know that positions like the second row forward, the front row forward... You'd base your teams around these guys, all around their base, their their work rates. You know the fact that they could lock in sixty guys. You know, like Angus Crichton, who had that upside of being able to score a try and turn that sixty into an eighty or a ninety. But we're not chasing nineties now. We're chasing one hundred and fifties, particularly draft leagues that have captaincies in play. Uh, that changes everything again. But the focus has shifted to to centre wing. Obviously, your fullback, your spines have always been a big part of it, but. Your front row forward is almost becoming obsolete and irrelevant, in my opinion. Uh, as we know, these things can change throughout the year, but you just find a forward who can punch you out 50 points uh, and you don't need to pay up big for them. So, you know, looking at a guy like Payne Hasses, who I think he's owned by over 50% of coaches to start the year, I don't knock that at all, but he's also like, all right, well, is he going to come out and, and average his 65, 70 when we could be getting someone for 150K cheaper um, that'll punch out five, 10 points less a week, but spend that extra 150K a year on a, a premium sort of centre wing option? Um, I, back in the day, would always, and most people sort of took the strategy of cheapies at centre wing, uh, plug them in, hope they score a few tries. It was a bit risky. Nowadays, you sort of think, all right, I need points in this position and you might be willing to pay for guys worth five, six hundred K a la Brian Toto, who I'm thinking of starting with, which never would have done in the past. Yeah, and I think Payne Haas is a really interesting one. He's for me, he's by far and away the best front row forward. I looked the other day at how many tries he scored last year. I had highlight reels running through my head. Mm. One try. Yeah. I mean, if he was scoring five and six, seven, eight tries a year, different story, but mate, you just you cannot go without these high ceiling CTWs. In my draft on the weekend, I didn't pick a front row forward till round 13, I think. Yeah. And, I, I, and I sat there at the end and went, oh, did I go early then? Should I have yeah. done that? Like, <laughs> the game has just changed completely. Your CTWs, they are so important. Mate, tell me about non-playing reserves this year. So my Supercoach philosophy, and I've had some pretty heated debates on my own podcast with this one, about depth in squads, and particularly the past two seasons with, as I said, the COVID risks, uh, you bring in the concussion risks that are bigger than ever. We see clubs more than willing to, to sit people out for extended periods. Your Ryan Madison's, your Ryan Pappenhausen's, these sort of guys. 
in the past, that just didn't happen. Um, and it's a great thing for the game and the safety of the current players in the game. Uh, things like that, injury tolls that seem to be picking up, suspensions, the crackdown on head knocks where blokes are getting suspended for five, six, seven weeks, blink of an eyelid, like nothing. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think that that all that all impacts it, and you want to build as have as many. We have twenty five blokes in a squad. I want twenty five active players. Again, in past Supercoach seasons, you might pick a non playing reserve in there, uh, use him for your vice captaincy loopholes, your auto emergency loopholes, these sorts of things. Put it this way: there's going to be very few weeks this year where you've got a full twenty five playing for the reasons I just mentioned. Um, we want to have the options down the track of when blokes get COVID and all sorts of things that impact the season and our super coach teams. We don't want to have a 20-man squad where we're forced to pick the only bloke available. You want to have 25 players as often as you can, uh, and that's it's very different to what we've seen in the past. It's a very unique season, isn't it? I mean, the, the winner's going to come out of this with a very unique story that we probably haven't seen before. Yeah, yeah. Very excited to see how it all pans out. And as you said, it's trying to get ahead of the game and, and anticipate the best strategies to target the way we think the 22, 22 season will play out. Uh, how that'll be, I've my own ideas, but whether they eventuate, we'll see. Now, mate, Tom Travojevic um, is coming in at an arm and a leg this year. It is beyond belief the money that he's coming in at this year. Round one, Penrith Panthers. Round two, Sydney Roosters. Uh, very tough gigs, even for Tom Travojevic. We've seen him put on monster scores you know, all last year against these sides. I wouldn't say he struggles. He's probably still well above the vast majority as far mm. as their averages go. But I can't see him knocking over 140-plus scores in these two games. The biggest debate heading into this season, do we start with Tom Travojevic? Can we afford Tom Travojevic? Uh, as much as it pains me to say it, not a chance, I don't yeah. think. I just – I don't see how you decimate the rest of your cap for that. As you mentioned, where it gets a little bit awkward is – there's two tough opening games to start the season. Goes to round three where he has the Bulldogs where he could score 250 points. Uh, gets to round four, I believe, against the Raiders. There's a sub-54 score there, so we can look forward to that one a little bit. But, mate, Tommy Turbo, uh, put it this way. If he comes out in those first two games of the season, Penrith Roosters, and scores 150, 200 points, holds his value... You know what? I say it now and I'll probably change my mind, but I'm happy to sit back and go, mate, we're witnessing greatness because... They're, they could arguably be the grand finals this year, the Panthers and the Roosters. I've probably got them up there as, as my two top teams. Uh, if Tommy can put that on them, and I can't afford him come round four or five when I'm anticipating getting him in, um, I'll just stand and applaud because it'll take something pretty special. Um, can you start with him? Of course you can. Because at the end of the day, Supercoach has captains. Uh, Supercoach Classic has captains. He's at 10% ownership in current Supercoach, and he's just produced the best season of all time by a mile. If you do start with him, it's going to be very exciting. But if he goes sub 100 in those first two games, he's going to plummet cash. Uh, the rest of your team's decimated. Even if he does go big, I think the 700K you spend elsewhere at fullback on, say, a Teddy or a Ponga or, or whoever it might be, you're going to make up those points elsewhere in your squad and earn, earn money at the same time. So it's a no for me on Tommy Turbo. If Turbo does come out and go 150, 150, you can almost guarantee, well, not almost guarantee, but... It'd be a good bet that whoever wins that 50K this year has started mm. with him. It is a huge punt to take, though. I mean, yeah. it could derail your season before it starts. I, I remember looking over the last few weeks through my DMs and not a single team featured Turbo. The more cheapies that have started to emerge, I'm starting mm. to see one or two Turbos, but 
it looks like a pretty weak side elsewhere. Yeah, um, and and that's the thing. It's very hard to to, to predict your super coach teams. Even we're only what another three or so weeks out from round one, two and a half or so weeks from team this Tuesday, but. It all comes down to cheapies, doesn't it? So if out of nowhere we get to round one and there's an extra three or four cheapies named, then you start going, you know what? Maybe this is feasible. Maybe we can make Tommy Turbo happen. But it's going to have to take a lot to come out, which I don't see happening at this stage to, to pick Tommy Turbo. It'll be a nervous watch for the few weeks, even if there's only 10% owners. But And the other issue is if you don't start with Tommy Turbo, which at this stage 90%, 90% of us aren't, and he goes big, where are you going to get that extra 700k in your yeah, car? That, that's the problem. That's the it? issue yeah, that yeah. I'm concerned about, but a gamble I'm going to have to take. Let me ask you, end of the season, we're looking back on turbo season once these two games are in the rear view. What do you reckon the averages this year? I mean, I was, I was at draft day the other day and, you know, turbo went number one, obviously. And I just mm. thought to myself, this bloke could regress an average of 30 points on average mm. and still get the best average by 10, potentially. It is mind-blowing, the position he's in at the moment. Yeah, and back on the strategy sort of thing that we touched on before, I just don't see the NRL and Volandis wanting these 50-nil, 60-nil scorelines that we saw last season. It got boring to a point. Um, and as I said, they haven't changed any rules at the moment, so they, maybe they're happy to see it, maybe they're happy to see the points flow. But I feel like while the rule changes and might not occur to stop sort of these things happening. I think we often see with new rules that, and we've seen them trialled mid-season in the last 24 months, it, it becomes the interpretation of them by the referees. And I can see them slowing. We saw it in the back end of last year, slowing down on the six again calls. It slowed the ruck. It's, I mean, to a degree, it stemmed these points going in the big blowouts. And that's just my gut feel that the way the season's going to go this year. So Manly still might put 40 points on a team, but they might not put 60 points on him, which in my eyes is going to see Tommy, you know, he might come back to a 120-point average for the season or a 110. Um, and as I said, as long as he goes low-ish, by which I mean sub-120 in the first two rounds, he can do what he wants after that because he'll be in my team at a lower price. But the first two rounds are everything for him. Mate, there's also an argument that if Manly stopped winning by 60, he probably plays more minutes. Oh. I mean, there's <laughs> so much going into yeah. this bloke, it's not even funny. That was the other thing when you look back on last season, best season ever. Mate, the big games where he could have scored the most points, he went off early. Yeah. The amount of times he left the field at the 60th minute, it's just incredible the more you think about it. Yeah, I, I cannot wait to see him. I was actually out of that game at Leichhardt on Friday night, the double header, and I think what had a try assist with his first touch yeah. of the game, and just effortless. Like, Granted, he had the Hulk in Brad Parker running off his left hip, but... Boy, he's exciting to watch. It's not a bad year to be Brad Parker, is it, just <laughs> quietly? Good God. Kissed on the dick by a fairy. <laughs> Mate, I, as I've said a couple of times now, I had my draft weekend. Uh, weekend just gone past. Pretty rough one. Uh, I'm going to take you through some of my picks, tell you what round I got them. I'm in a 14-man draft comp, uh, so it's pretty deep, pretty tough. Obviously, for those that don't know, draft comp, each player can only be owned by one coach. Uh, so the guy that gets Tom Travojevic, obviously sitting in the box seat. I had picked four overall. I went Pappy. So the order it went was Turbo, Cleary, Teddy, Pappy, which I would guess, unless there are some very rogue operators out there, that's how it will go in most comps. Pappy, can I, can I win it with him? Absolutely you can. As I said, last season, 117-point average across his first five, six games there. He can emulate this season. It'll be a gun Melbourne storm outfit again. Harry Grant's only going to get better. And with him carving up through the middle of the rack, Pappy just feeds off the back. It was at, what, four tries in about seven minutes or something last yep. year. Um, 
And as a fourth pick, I think it's fine. We know how draft works. The issue is that concussion. Um, if he cops a head, knock to the head, misses another 10 weeks, and you've got your first-round pick gone for that long, that that's a decision that comes, comes down to owners and the gamble they're going to take, isn't it? But if we're sort of sitting here predicting injury-free at the end of the season where each player is going to rank, I've probably got Pappy at number two behind Tommy Turbo, give or take Nathan Cleary. Um, if he, Pappy and Teddy both stay fit, I've got Pappy averaging more. Teddy's fitness probably – well, fitness about the same. It's just the concussion, isn't it? Matty, can you believe he's on here for the first time leaning on a piece of wood talking about Pappy getting a concussion and he doesn't <laughs> even knock it for me? Oh. Mate, unbelievable. My second pick – this is pick number 25, round two. I've got a bit of pushback here. I don't think it's as wild as what people tell me. I went for you and Aiken. So because I had the ceiling of Pappy, I've gone for Aiken. A bit more solid with a bit more attacking upside. I think people see the average and um, assume, you know, it's a weird pick. But when you look at his average in the second row, which I think he'll play mm. there for 80 minutes this year. <laughs> mate, I was stoked with Aiken there. What are your thoughts on that one? Be honest with me. Are you sitting him in your second row in your team at the moment? No, nah, he'll be uh, <laughs> in my centre wing. So for me, I think he'll be the most, well, I'm probably thinking old school again. I think he'll be the most consistent um, centre wing. I just thought at pick 25, if I waited the next round, I was worried that I'd lose him. I, I'm on the fence with him because... Exactly, we spoke here before with these high upside centre wings. Now, how high is his upside in terms of being your second round pick mm. compared to guys like, I'm not sure they went in your draft, but like your Garrick, your AJs, these guys that we could be chasing, whose who's ceiling is that 150 to 1. Well, it's 150 to 200, let's be fair, on days yep. where they might score four tries. Um, Aitken is as going to be as rock solid as you, you can get if he's playing 80 minutes on the edge for the Warriors, which we should assume he will. Last year, he went nuts there. While we sit there and say maybe the ceiling of others isn't there, in those handful of games he played last year, had 128 in round 20 there. That's a pretty damn good ceiling for a bloke who's going to pump out. You know, he was averaging about 50 in base during that time. I think there were a couple of games he averaged late 50s, mid-60s in base. Yep. So if he's pumping out 45, 50 in base, we know he's got attacking upside in terms of comparing to other back rowers. Durability is another thing for me, mate. So I'm looking at a few of your picks here. I'm looking at Pappenhausen, who could go at any minute. You and Aitken, he's strung a few together the last few years, but injuries always worry me, worry me with him. Uh, and then the next bloke on your list, we've already spoken about him. Well, my, my next bloke was part of the reason why I picked Aitken. I knew I'd be able to get my hands on Katoni Stags because I knew other blokes in my comp wouldn't want to gamble on that injury. Mm. Uh, I'm happy to take a punt on draft day. Stags, mate, I just think I, I'm happy to lock him in as a top five CTW if he stays fit the entire year. I just, especially with Reynolds and Walters there, I mean, he got more ball the other night than I've seen him get in three years in the 20 minutes Walters was on the field. I'm very high on Stags, and he's part of the reason why I went Aitken, because I, I knew I'd be able to get Stags next. You are making me nervous, though, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, look, these are the gambles we take in Supercoach, yeah. isn't it? And, and at the end of the day, you can play conservatively, but you're probably going to have to take a few of these calculated risks to win your Supercoach draft league. Um, I love your picks. Whether or not I'd have gone with the same four in terms of injury history, I'm not sure. But Staggs is a bloke you look at who, if Brisbane can be improvers this year and they find a way to use him a bit better, as we said, like in the past, they haven't used him terrifically well, given him that early ball that we know he needs. And yet in one of them, he'll beat a bloke nine times out of ten. Let's be honest here, they've used him awfully. Awfully. It so, has been hard to watch. So there's another... I'm all about sort of calculated risk when it comes to Supercoach and how are they going to use him this year? Um... 
look, if they're going to win games of footy, they have to get him early ball. But, I mean, it's the same, same leadership as last year, isn't it? Mm. Uh, a few different personnel changes. The big one there is they've got, which they've got a cool, calm, collected head leadership role in Adam Reynolds this year. And he's a very smart footballer. And I don't think he's going to be dumb enough to not get stacked. So what edges are we looking at there? Is, is Reynolds going to play right edge again, as we predicted at the Bunnies? I suppose it depends who his halves partner will depends be. Depends who his halves partner is, But yeah. you would, he's played pretty well his whole career there, as far as I can remember. So yeah. Staggs will be on the right. So we'll have Reynolds feeding in ball. What Reynolds does better than... Most halves in the NRL for mine, not as good as his old halves partner, Cody Walker, who's the pick of him, but he's quite good at digging into the line, attracting those defenders, getting the defenders to turn their hips in, and then just goes whack real late. He'll be hitting Tony Stage with more space than he's seen in his career. He could have a field day off it. Now, if Adam Reynolds was to go to the left edge, which he shouldn't, um, I really don't think he will, that's where there'd be a little bit of cause for concern. But provided Reynolds is on that right edge with him, Staggs is going to open up his game so much. Look, ideally, I'd rather Reynolds on the right, but, mate, even if he's on the left, I just feel so much more confident that he knows the Ferrari is out there and they're <laughs> going to work their sets to that. I just feel like he's got the football awareness to be able to get this Broncos team to the right spots. It's the one thing over the last three weeks, I think Walters has been decent at it. Gamble and Kelly, though, it's running around like a chook with its head cut off. You're just all over the place. I just think they'll get more structure out of having Adam Reynolds and hopefully if he stays injury-free, tap it. Don't, don't sit there quietly, got my friend. Hey, hopefully Stags goes off. Who have you got as your halves partner to Reynolds? Because I know putting my predicted teams together for the website at the start of the year, I had Albert Kelly. I thought he'd done enough. I mean, a lot changes over an off-season but and a pre-season, of course, but... I thought Albert Kelly was quite good last year. I think he's good defensively. I think he offered enough in attack in what was a really ordinary side. It didn't help that there wasn't a lot of direction there. And I know that, obviously, as a half, a particularly an experienced half, that's coming off him as well. I had him. The further we go into the trials, I believe he and, was it Walters, were named in the halves for this weekend. But it sounds like they're leaning more towards Walters. Which way are you going? I'm going Walters now. I've always <laughs> been heavy team Albert. I've, I've always been a fan of him. But, mate, I just think what Walters has done over the last few weeks, and I get it, their trials, but the reality is there has been a jersey thrown in the middle of them. And for me, I think Walters has been the best bloke mm. by far and away for the job. There's been little things that Albert Kelly has done that I think he's played himself out of the jersey. To some extent, I think Tyson Gamble has been similar. I think Tyson, I love him. I just think he tries too hard sometimes. And Tyson's one of those guys that if he gets in a hole, he will try and dig himself out of the hole, which I love. But it hasn't paid dividends for him yeah. the last few weeks. So Think, Thinking out loud as well, so correct me if I sound like an absolute moron, and I probably will, but uh, very much thinking out loud. What it probably affords them to do as well by having Billy Walters in the halves is provide cover for, well, they could go Jake Turpin or Corey Pax at hooker. If they want either of them to be an 80-minute hooker, which I think particularly young fellas, granted a bit of injury history, you, as best as possible you want your hooker to be playing 80. Walters gives them cover at hooker if they then want to opt for an, another 14, maybe like a, a more versatile backline sort of utility. If injuries do occur, you can go Billy Walters to nine. You can go Katoni Staggs into the halves to finish the game. So I do like that versatility in the team by picking Walters. Whether I would change my entire team structure around that, that option, maybe not, but uh, you can see why you might go, go that way. Mate, the beauty of their situation is they've got depth. Mm. And the beauty of their situation is that they've got three blokes or four blokes if you include Ezra Mam, five if you want to include Tamari Martin in a few weeks' time, fighting for yeah. not only a jersey but the opportunity to play alongside one of the best 
straight away that elevates them for the next few years for me, learning off Adam Reynolds and whatnot. Wouldn't you love to see Tamari Martin come back alongside Adam Reynolds? Oh, I think it? he will eventually, to be honest mm. with you. I think we'll see him at some point. Watching him in that trial the other day, me and Denon were talking the other day, he took a couple of shocking options, but they still looked good. Yep. He still looks silky and smooth. I just think it'll take him a bit of time. Round seven, uh, I went with a bit of a bolter here, but for, for people that haven't seen this kid play, you'll probably think, good God, that's early. For me, I actually reckon I've got a bit of value here. Isaac Tago, I think he will be the left centre for the Penrith Panthers this year. I think it is some of the best real estate in rugby league. He's obviously very popular in classic teams. I would say he's a certainty. Would that be fair? That would be fair. Guru, would I be right in saying you're a bloke who doesn't mind a bit of a punt? I love a punt. Absolutely love it. And... Mate, to be honest with you, I might have left some of my bigger punts out of this list just <laughs> quietly. But Tago, definitely a gamble. Uh, this is what I love about draft, though. You've got to back your gut feeling. Um, it hasn't sent me down a firing wreck in the past. It might this year, quite possibly. But, uh, mate, you've got to risk it for the biscuit. Mate, he looked good on the weekend, didn't he? Albeit in, in not an overly strong trial game. Gee, there's some class about him. A few of them, few of them offloads he threw on the way down to the ground there. Um, just a quality football. I haven't seen a stack of him. We saw bits and pieces of him last season. But as I said, the, the talent's there. The centre roles opened up at the Panthers. Um, there's opportunities in Targo. Matty could be anything. And more importantly, we're talking supercoach here. He, he looks like he has a supercoach-friendly game between tackle-busting, offloading, playing left-centre in the premiership team where Matty Burton was there last year, scored a million tries. It adds up, doesn't it? And Mate, you look at the personnel around him. Jerome Luai, Viliami Kikau, Brian Tao outside him. Good God. The other beauty of this is that Dylan Edwards doesn't tend to play down the left edge. It just provides more and more ball for him. So I'm very keen on him at pick 88, and that'll be my advice to a lot of people out there in your draft comps. Get this guy. Don't worry about value. I think he's going to be a star. Now, one I'm very interested, because you have got a little bit of intel into the Canberra Raiders side each year, if people haven't put that together yet. Um Matty Tomoko, I am very, very high on him. I am hoping, in saying that, very high. I went in round 12. I think he could be a big value play for me. I'm hoping he's right centre. You got some good news for me or what? Matty will be there, mate. Yep. Yeah, okay. he's, he's a gun. And he showed that last year. The Raiders have got some really good backline depth this year. Really disappointed to see Harley Smith Shields go down into Harley the Sexy Shields, we call him here, don't we, Matty? <laughs> Harley Sexy Shields. He's a good-looking man, oh. Harley. So... Shame that he's gone down, but, I mean, I wouldn't say they're stacked with, with uh, guns in the back line, but it is solid depth between... We've got Jared Croker fighting sort of fitness. He had off-season surgery, getting towards the twilight of his career, obviously. Still plenty to offer, but when you've got blokes like Sebi Chris knocking the door down, um, Jordi Rapana's going to miss the first couple of rounds due to suspension, but then we look at the whole Chance v Savage debate at fullback, and the loser of that probably goes onto the wing without Jordi Rapana. Mm. Um, there's a lot of options in the back line. Probably the only safe one that I could say in that team is going to be Matty Tomoko. Uh, he's won his spot there. He's terrific. He, again, in a supercoach context, he's a tackle breaker. Sort of decent base on him, but just a good footballer. And I like what I see from Matty. I'll tell you right now, if I would have had this conversation with you seven days ago, I would have pushed him up as high as round nine or so. Mm. I really do think he has got some huge upside in supercoach this year. Yeah, the kid can play, massive fan, so uh, as it hopefully stays fit and puts a few wins together with the Raids. Now, mate, as I said before, you're the expert I've got on here, top 1% the last six or seven years, whatever you were bragging about, as you normally do. Tell me, <laughs> what is your team 
look like this year? What what little bit of intel can you give us to your side? You won't give away the whole thing because I'm sure it'll change another thousand times before the next trial, let alone teamless. But sprinkle us a couple of names here that you're confident will be there round one. Yeah, mate. So I'm pretty locked into a, a Teddy Pappy fullback combination at the moment. Again, provided Pappy gets named round one. Uh, I said I'm on the fence with Munster just due to having him and Harry Grant in my team. <sighs> I think I'm going to be forced into Ilias and Blake Tafe. Uh, and I think most people will, and I think you'd be silly not to. The reservation I have there is that, as far as I see it, when the trail gets back around three, Ilias probably holds his spot at halfback, meaning Tafe, the way I've sort of worked things out, goes to 14. I think he'll be their utility. It makes plenty of sense. Sorry, can I interrupt? There's just a bit of breaking news. Latrell's been given clearance to come back around two. All-Stars game is now counting to his suspension. Huge. How good? Was that the NRL applying some common sense over there, wasn't it, yeah, Matty? Good God. Lara Pitt just reported it then. <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, well, there you go. And talk about round one teams and how quickly it can change. I'm more hesitant to go TAFE now in my team. And if there's other cheapies that arise, TAFE I will be keeping out of my team unless we sort of get the vibe. Because we know TAFE can play in the halves as well and he's played a lot of his footy there. So if he were to replace Ilias now round two when the trail goes back, but if he doesn't and goes to 14, yeah, he's at 210k, but he could play 15 minutes off the bench and he's just a waste of mm. space. The issue is, you know, if any injuries occur, basically in the halves, fullback or whatever, he could be locked into that role. But at the end of the day, to maybe dodge someone like TAFE early on in place of another highly fancied cheapie in your team, um, maybe it'll pay off. And, and I guarantee you TAFE will be a big option at some point in the season. But as far as I'm concerned, he's playing 14 and 15, 20 minutes a game from round two. So there's issues there. I'll say this about Elias. I drafted him, so potentially I'm a little bit biased. But just from watching him coming through, I actually think he's got a bit more upside to him than what people are anticipating. Uh, I think he played that one game against the Dragons last year, mm. scored a try and got 27. I think a lot of people have been scared. Well, not scared off by that. People are still keen for Classic because of the price. But... I think he could be a 45 to 50 point half. I think he's got a bit more upside than what people are anticipating. The Latrell thing is huge because he now comes back round two. Now, if you have a look at their draw, they play the Adam Reynolds Cup on the Friday night. I don't <laughs> think that'll be easy. Um, then they play Melbourne Roosters Penrith. To now get Latrell back for all three of those games, for the Stocks of Ilias, I think that is huge. It is huge. Uh, from a Supercoach point-scoring perspective, uh, yes, Latrell back is massive, but I'm going, geez, I don't really want to be playing Elias in my team at any of those points. Mm. And we may not have to, but it's another thing we have to take into consideration, isn't it? But all of a sudden, like without Latrell, I didn't give them any hope of beating Melbourne, uh, still missing Harry Grant and Munster, obviously. But now, I don't know. I mean, it's in Melbourne. Matty, what, what's your record in Melbourne? You probably don't have to deal with this one. We've never won. Never won. Duck <laughs> heavy. I knew he knew that. <laughs> one of my favourites out of Matty. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think Ilias. I mean, is there a world where you can like obviously South? They're looking at their draw: South, Melbourne, Roosters, Penrith. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be tough. Surely they can't pick Ilias and drop him before he gets that good run against the Dragons, the Bulldogs, the Tigers. I, I, I personally can't see a world where Taff ends up at seven in those first four weeks unless there is an injury to Ilias. Yeah, and especially if realistically they wanted. Uh, Tafe to be their halfback from round well, what was going to be round three when the troll came back. Surely you can find you can play an Alex Johnston or someone at fullback and play Tafe in the halves and get in those vital first few games because to play him 
out of position in that sense before being moved to halfback round two or three. Just doesn't make a lot of sense. So they've shown, in my opinion, faith in Ilias. I'm with you. I think he's got that role locked in for the unforeseeable future and uh, it'll be his to lose and taps to win probably. Well, not back through reserve grade, but in limited stints off the bench. One more name I want to mention to you as far as halves goes. Jackson Hastings, where do you sit on him? Dual position, plays Melbourne week one, a weakened Melbourne side, and then I think it's a pretty good run for Balmain. uh, For Tigers, sorry. Good God, I just went back to 1995. (laughs) Um, Where do you sit on Jacko? Another bloke I'm on the fence on who's in my team at the moment purely off the back of his price, 350k to start the year. Now... He's a different mould to the the Super League player, NRL players, turn Super League, return NRL players we've seen because all the Super League halves to come over have basically failed and been terrible and you can throw outside backs into that mix as well. You look at NRL players who have been sort of borderline NRL starters who have gone over to the Super League and killed it and been stars and, and one man of steals, all these sort of things. Now, Hastings' record would suggest that he's one of them guys and you'd be proceeding with a lot of caution on him coming back. I don't think he left because he wasn't good, good enough at the NRL level. He left because there was off-field stuff going on at Manly. He might have got a few people off guard, whether it was his fault, someone else's fault. I don't really care. But he went over to England, set up about 40,000 tries in a couple of years over there, won a man of steel, I believe, comes back, still highly regarded. Um <laughs> I think back when he played for the Roosters and got a few in his rookie seasons, it might have been, he was kicking a few goals, but mm. got some lengthy sort of 80 minute games there. And this is very off the top of my head, but he was averaging well, albeit in a very good team. Yeah, I had him those years. He was about a 45 to 55 yeah. sort of guy with goal kicking, though, and yeah. under new rules, of course. Very yeah. much, yeah. But yeah, before the, when the old rules were in place, where it was a lot, where a 45 to 50 average wasn't too bad. Yeah. Um, he comes back a more seasoned player now. <laughs> Look, I'll be honest, I don't rate the Tigers. Um, more Tigers bashing, sorry, boys. But Love it. Welcome. What, what, can, what can Hastings bring to that? How can he go as he adapts back to NRL level? I think only time will tell. I think if you were guessing at it, you know, you'd be lying if you said you knew. Mm. Um, I'm excited to see it. I hope he kills it. As I said, he's in my team at the moment due to basically a lack of better options around a similar sort of price. He does look like value. Uh, and again, he's a player like sort of Tom Lolo that came out a bit funny, didn't it? Hastings is a bit of a Tom Lolo type player. <laughs> He'd in love the, it. In, in, He'll be all over it. Don't yeah, worry about that. He'll in, clip it in, up. In the super coach world, he is um, in the sense that he shouldn't regress much. Like if you buy him for 350k and he comes out and averages 40, 45, whatever, and holds his price tag, you're not really losing out. He might not be what we wanted him to, but I think he's a pretty safe bet to put in your team. So... He's in my team at the moment. He probably stays, but I'm not without reservations. Mate, before we go, give me one pod that you've got your eyes on at the moment. Maybe not your main pod, because I know you're in the running for 50K again yeah. this year. Uh, you'd rather be in that top 0.1% this year. But give me a little pod that you got your eyes on. Mate, Ryan Madison, I believe, was at about 8 or 9% last time I checked, which astounds me because... Again, I think people are possibly scared off by that, just the concussions last year, and, and rightly so. Um, average 69 minutes per game, 65 points per game. Average 75 the season before, and he's a back rower with massive work ethic. He bases sort of that 50 to 55 every year. He's awesome in attack. He scores tries, he sets them up. He's got an offload, he's got a tackle bust. I just love him as a footballer. Um, at the price, I think he's undervalued to start the year. 
And I do have a few reservations here as well around his role because there's a bit of talk you might be able to help me out more, but Nathan Brown potentially out first few rounds. They're possibly looking at Maddo in the middle, maybe only plays 60, uh, less attacking upside than on the edge. I've heard these rumours about Brown. Apparently it's a surgery that hasn't been spoken about too much. Mm. I will say on the weekend when Maddo was on the field, he was playing a 13 role and he mm. looked pretty dangerous. And Maddo, uh, you know... Bloke listeners will know we've spoken about this for a while. He's got a big attacking upside. He grew up as a 5'8". He's got a lot to offer, Maddo. And if he does end up in the 13 jersey, I'd be super excited about him. Yeah, and that's it. It's not going to probably minutes, aside from minutes, it doesn't uh, impact me probably picking him in my team too much. The one thing I probably do worry a little is, you know, the the modern day lock is a ball playing lock, isn't it? And as I said, Maddo grew up playing footy at 5'8". Does he just does he do a lot of distributing? So we we know he amasses eighteen to sort of twenty two, twenty three runs a game, which is massive for his supercoach scoring. If he plays at lock, I'm a little bit concerned that maybe he falls into that that distribution role, which we see Nathan Brown do at Parra as well. So we know that's what Brad Arthur likes in his thirteen. Uh, it's a concern. I'd prefer see him on the edge because I think he plays his eighty minutes, but. Again, at the price, I just like him. I don't see him being undervalued at all. Oh, sorry, overvalued. I think he's undervalued, and I love him at the ownership to start the year. Mate, I love nothing more than a ball-playing 13, Ooh. but when it comes to super coach, it's becoming a bit of a mirage to some extent. Unless you're a guy that makes 40 tackles, mm. it can really be a bit of a kick in the dick, Jake Trevojevic yeah, sort Jake of style, Trevojevic. where you become a ball distributor. Mate, very interesting. Um I think that'll do us for our first episode. We will be back every Tuesday, especially once the season starts. We'll be getting stuck into team lists every single week. Uh, Timmy will have a heap of tips for you every single week. (laughs) Buy, hold, sells. He'll be doing all the hard work. Don't worry about that. Guys, if you are not following the Supercoach Playbook, the absolute best content in rugby league, Timmy is the head honcho, the CEO, the face, you name it. He does it all. Mate, where can they find the Supercoach Playbook? Very kind, mate. Uh, so scplaybook.com.au on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those good places. Uh, then weekly podcasts as well pop out of a generally a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, Tuesday night during the season. So should be a busy Tuesday from now on for us, but I'm looking forward to it. So if you're keen on your Supercoach and even just footy content in general, yeah. Follow the Supercoach Playbook wherever you can. Get out, buy yourself a case of bloke in a bar. Support the best platform in rugby league. Cheers, guys.